everyone good evening thanks for coming um, tonight's class was sponsored by Usher and Sharon Bistamsky this is in honor of their son Ari's Ariel Yosef's birthday on the 21st of Av that was last week may he have a shnas bracha a wonderful wonderful great year a lot a lot of growth in all aspects and may you uh, continue to have lots of nachas from him and only 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 happiness in the entire family and a good to all of the Bastamskis. Uh, my father also dedicated tonight's class. This is in honor of my great grandfather's yard site that was today. Yaakov Zev ben Rebitzcha Kakoyin. May his neshama have a very, very great aliyah to the greatest of heights and lots and lots of brachas to all of us uh, in, um, in, in both in the material and in the spiritual. Much, much mazel and bracha and only, only good things. The CD this week was dedicated by Anonymous, May Hashem Bench Anonymous, with abundant abundance of wonderful, wonderful good blessings, with only, only bracha and mazel, parnasah bracha and only great things. Okay, thanks to everyone that has dedicated. Um, we had, uh, even though we had the classes the last two weeks, but we didn't have the classes live, so it's nice to be back at the podium over here uh, with actual people to talk to, which is really good. Okay, thank you for coming. Um, tonight is Rosh Chodesh. I want to wish everyone a, a really, really gebenched big Chodesh, a great, great new month for all of the Jewish people, for all of us. Um, may we all be blessed with uh, Chodesh Tov, filled with blessings, filled with light, and being that this is an extraordinary month, the month that takes us into the new year, may this be the most amazing Elul that has ever been a month in which I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me in which Hashem and the Jewish people come together in the deepest, most intimate way. May it come to its fruition this month in, in, in a revealed way for the Jewish people in the ultimate redemption of the Geula Shalema. May we see it. Take it from a Yad. Mamish, mamish, mamish. It should happen Literally, literally, as we are speaking here tonight, as the new beautiful month of Elul, as the Shar Rachmim, the gates of mercy open up, and as we once discussed, where the petals, the rose petals, begin to fall of the 13 attributes of mercy, may that, all those, that great light coming from the deepest, highest, inner, inner, innermost place of Hashem, as the King is now, literally right now, coming into the field to spend the month with all of us, May we all merit to greet the king, receive the king, and to be able to look the king 
in, and experience the what's called and the continence of the king is true life, good life for everybody both in the material and the spiritual and ultimately the ultimate the king laughing which is going to be the laughter of Hashem the laughter of Mashiach Tzedkenu and Oz Pinu the laughter of all the Jewish people and ultimately whoever hears will laugh with me the ultimate laughter of all 8 billion people on the planet where all will laugh and all of, all cre- all of creation uh, this laughter will reverberate across all of the cosmos with great joy and happiness may we merit to see it now alright um, so we want to dedicate tonight's class to Chodesh Elul even though last week's class being, it wasn't live it's, it was put on, on online I didn't make a CD either I was out of town um, but really 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 worth listening to it's a very very powerful sheer very Kabbalistic last week's class on the month of Elul um, it's called the, the month of cosmic healing but Elul is so deep and so amazing we're going to do another shear tonight on Chodesh Elul okay so we know that this is since the emergence of Hasidus, which actually the birthday of Hasidus is in the month of Elul, the Balshemtov was born in Elul, on the 18th day of Elul, the Balshemtov received his powerful teacher, Achia Hashiloini, who was the Rebbe of Elio Anavi, was also the Rebbe of the Holy Balshemtov, also on the 18th of Elul. The Balshemtov revealed himself on the 18th of Elul. Um, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi also shares the same birthday, the, the Balatanya, on the 18th of Elul. It's a very, very, so the birth of Hasidus is in Chodesh Elul. And once Hasidus came to the world, it changed the face and the entire experience of Elul to be a complete different experience. Gone is the trepidation, the intimidation, the fear. Not that there's no element of awe in Chodesh Elul, very powerful. But the 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 anxiety that that creates stress and and a discomfort is out the window. Today's days, Elul is a different kind of an Elul. We greet the month of Elul with great simcha, with great joy. This is the most exciting time of the year. Is tonight, because we are now entering into a month in which we can experience the deepest highest relationship and connection to Hashem and we can accomplish what we can't accomplish ever all with love all with joy all with happiness it's a freilich elul it's a happy elul and we're preparing ourselves we're preparing ourselves for the most momentous occasion in 30 days from now we're going to crown Hashem as a king literally we're going to regenerate all of existence we're going to bring the universe into existence from absolute nothing we're going to recreate the all of creation. We're going to do that because we are going to crown God as a king. Hashem will accept that coronation and reestablish Himself as king over the world, thereby creating all of creation with new vigor and new energy. All of this we're going to do in 30 days. So today begins the countdown. We start counting down to that event. And now invitations go out to every single Jew. You're invited to the coronation. And a month from now, you just got to show up in shul, on old Jewish shuls, and is where all the is where the coronation is going to take place. Jews across the world are going to coronate God. Hopefully, this year it's going to be in the third temple, 
in which, which we're going to coronate Hashem as king over the entire world. And this is real, real business. It's not just, you know, uh, something that we say just to make us feel good. This is real, 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 real. What we accomplish Rosh Hashanah is, is just indescribable. Literally, our cries and our, our petitioning of Hashem and our crying out, so to speak, of long live the king actually makes God be involved and excited about his relationship with the world and brings, as we mentioned earlier, the recreation, Hashem recommits himself to be the king over the world for another year, sustaining all of, all of, all of life. And we're going to do that. Angels can't do that. Gentiles don't do that. They don't really have the power to do that. It's only a selected few, only a few million people in this world that have the great schut, the great merit and the great honor to be the coronators of God, to be Hashem's, to be the inner, inner circle who place the crown on God's head. Now we have a month in order to prepare for that. In order that we should be able to stand before God on Rosh Hashanah and say with confidence, you're my king and I'm your servant, we need to do a little preparation. Maybe a little more than a little. So that we can say it without hesitation. We can say it from a very deep place. We can say it and really mean it. And we don't have, we're, not, we're not uncomfortable with that because of the mistakes and the faults or perhaps some of the rebellion that we all have. And therefore we're not so comfortable really honestly saying to Hashem, I am your servant, you be my master. So all that, whatever needs to be cleaned up, whatever needs to be repaired, we can, we can do it. And we can do it now. Now even though the month of El, as I mentioned earlier, until Hasidus came about, the month of El was a month that was very frightening and very intimidating. It involved a lot of fear of punishment. And there is, as mentioned earlier, there is a certain discomfort involved with introspection. Chodesh Elul is a chodesh of tshuva. It's a chodesh of repentance. Repentance involves looking deep into ourselves to see what perhaps needs to be fixed. What aspects, and we know there's quite a lot to fix. We're not going to kid ourselves. So we all know we make mistakes. We all know we've done things we shouldn't have done. And we all know we've been lax and we could have performed much better. And when we begin to really do the math and do the calculations and do a serious accounting, sometimes in Yiddish one becomes a little bit uh, disheartened and we can get saddened, bitter, or even depressed. And that's a very big mistake. Because Elul is a time, yes, it does say in a Pasuk, in Pasha's Kiseitzin, next week's Torah portion, it speaks about the woman that was taken into captivity. The, the Gentile woman that was taken when the Jews went to war and they found this, this soldier, saw this beautiful woman and he take, wants to marry her. And we know that the Torah also is speaking allegorically, it's also speaking in a metaphorically. So when it speaks about this woman that was found in captivity, it's referring to our neshama, our soul. And it describes over there that this woman should spend an entire month weeping and crying for her father and her mother. She should cry for her parents Yerach Yomim a month. And the commentators tell us, the Sfarim, the great uh, sages tell us that mystically, when it says she should cry for her mother and her father for a month, it's referring to the month of Elul. It's a month of tears. But we're soon going to see what kind of tears are these tears. It doesn't necessarily have to mean bitter tears. Truth be 
the real truth of truth is that these are really tears of great joy. But when we do do a cheshpen anafish, and we might want to cry with tears of sadness, when one just takes the moment to think that whatever we need to repair is it in our hands to repair. We could do it. This is the time that God is willing to cut deals with all of us. Literally, the smallest amount of effort and our part causes Hashem to bend over backwards way, 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 way and to literally forgive and to give us so much leeway and to give us so much acceptance. Not so once Rosh Hashanah comes. Once Rosh Hashanah comes, the reckoning, God deals with us in a far, we might say, stiffer way. Things, the rules, the regulations are set. The king is in the palace. The king is in the palace. The rule of law is very, very strong. It's not so hard. You don't have so much wiggle room on Rosh Hashanah from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Elul is the time to wake up. Not Slichas, not even Rosh Hashanah. Now is the time. Because now is the time that we can repair. Hashem does not expect of us anything that we cannot do. And as soon as we are say we're here, we show up from the beginning of Elul, we approach the king and say we would like, we want to be your servant, we will try to be better ourselves, we want to accept you as our king and do the best we can to be your loyal subject, then uh, we can do a tikkun on everything. So when Rosh Hashanah comes, we are healthy, we are okay, we're really spiritually perfect, without any blemish, we can really, really, really coronate the king with great joy and with great happiness. So this is the fact that we're talking about this tonight, the night going to the first night of Elul, it's giving us kind of a head start. It's all about focusing. It's all about having the mindfulness that we are entering into this unique and powerful zone and that we can accomplish things way, 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 way above that which we can accomplish the rest of the year. So now, what exactly do we do in the month of Elul? So we know that Elul is the acronym Anila Dodi Vedodi Li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. It's a, it's a verse in the Song of Songs in Shira Shirim. So it's a time in general when we get closer to God. We also know that there are other psukim that, in our, that, that are symbolized, that are remazim, remez, and other psukim that are um, alluding to the month of Elul. And in Sfarim, in, 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 the, in the writings of the great uh, Jewish mystics and Bechlal and Halacha, it brings various different hints to the month of Elul from other psukim. And these are not just, you know, who can find something, you know, that will indicate the month of Elul. It's not a game that these rabbis played, that they were able to find another acronym kind of that no one intended, but they were able to put it together. There's an Aleph and there's a Lamed, and above an Lamed, God forbid. First of all, whatever these great sages wrote, it was with divine, with Ruach HaKodesh. That means it was with godly inspiration. And secondly, um, in the Torah, you don't mess around. There's no games. If, 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 it's, if, I, if we would just come up on our own with one of these, not necessarily it has any significance. But when these great rabbis found a hint to them, because... You see, the thing is like this. The Torah, biblically, the months don't have the name. And biblically, the months have numbers. First month, the second month, the third month, and so forth. The month Elul, Tishrei, these all came to the Jewish people at a later time during the Babylonian exile. We picked up these various different names. 
So in Chumash and in Tanakh, you're not going to find the word Elul. But we do have them hinted to. But these hints are giving us a clue into the neshama, into the soul of the month, what the month is all about. So in addition to Ani Ladodi Vedodi Li, there is another four psukim that are, have acronyms, Rasha Tevis, relating to Elul. One of them is from the Megillah. It says that we should give gifts to the poor on Purim. We're familiar with that. So it says, Ishle re'eyu matanus lavim. It says, earlier it says, Mishleach manus. The word Mishleach manus is not part of, the, part of the Elul acronym. But I'm just saying it because that's the beginning of the verse. It says, Mishleach manus, you should send gifts. Ishle re'eyu, a man to his fellow. Umatanos la'avyonim, and give gifts to the poor. So we know that two mitzvahs on Purim, to give you know, a basket of something, you know, goodies, you send it to someone. And then also you have to give tzedakah, you have to give to the poor. So the, these four words, ish l're'eyu, umatanos la'avyonim, spell out, the first letter of the word, spell out Elo. And there's another pasuk in Parsha Shamos, where it talks about a person that killed someone accidentally, in Parsha's Mishpatim. So in Sefer Shemos, Parshas Mishpatim, it says over there that a person that did not want to hurt someone intentionally, but then somehow God made it happen that they accidentally caused another person's death. So then Hashem says that this individual, I'm going to set aside a certain area where they should escape to and go to that place. Actually, this discussed in Parsha Shoftim as well, the laws of the Ir Miklat. It talks about adding another three cities this week in the Parsha. Is the cities of refuge. So in these, um, in that pasuk in Shemais, it uses the word inaliyado. Hashem was the one who brought about to His hand, which means the person did not intend any harm to the other person. Inaliyado, Hashem was the one who controls everything, caused this person's hand to slip, and as a result of that, God forbid, um, kill another individual. Then what happens? V'samti lecha, and I will put for you a place to run away. The words v'samti lecha, ina leyade v'samti lecha, is Rosh Hashanah's Elul. And then there's another one. It says in Pashas Nitzavim, it speaks about the end of days when Jew, uh, God is going to cause the Jewish people to do tshuva. So it says over there, umal Hashem alokecha es levavcha. Hashem is going to circumcise your heart, the es levav zarecha, and the heart of your children. So the words es levavcha. V'es levav, your heart and the heart, which, and the heart of your children. But those four words, your heart and the heart, Rosh Tevis, the first letters, Elo. And now there's another one, it's a little harder to see, but that one is as well. And that's a less popular one. And that is in, in, Parsh, in, the, in the Shira, which we sing when the Jewish people went out, a Mitzrayim, a Pasha's Bishalach, by the song of a sea. So it says over there, Vayomru Lemor. They said, Vayomru, they, they decided to sing, Az Yashir Moshe, Moshe then sang, Ubenei Yisrael, Shashir Azoiz, this song, Vayomru Lemor, and they said, saying, Ashir Lashem, I will sing to God. So the words, Vayomru Lemor, is Vav Lamed, and then Ashir Lashem is Aleph Lamed. So Aleph Lamed and Vav Lamed spell out Elo. Over here it's not exactly in the right order, because you have the Vav Lamed first, and then you have the Aleph Lamed. But you still have Aleph Lamed, Vav Lamed, and you have the words Elul. Okay, five verses spelling out Elul. Now, the reason why we have the five verses spelling out the word of Elul, because this symbolizes and this teaches us all the work that we need to do. Every single one is a guide. It's not just a repetition, chas v'shalom. Each one of them is giving us other insight 
in what we could do and should do in the month of Elul, in the path in which we need to do it. Now, we understand that whenever you need to repair something, the repair is a, co- a comprehensive repair. If your car is uh, you know, not working after, you know, it's not necessarily after work, you have to do an upkeep. In order for your car to work well, you have to do an, an upkeep. So you take it in for an oil change. Take the car in for the oil change, they do a, whatever they call it, a 21-point inspection or something like that. Because there's so many different things in a car for a car to work well. First, they'll check the oil. And if the oil needs new oil, they'll, they'll they check the oil, they repair, they change the oil. But then they'll check the transmission fluid. They're also checking the air pressure and the tires. They're checking the radiator, the coolant. In order for a car to work, there are all these things that need to be. You need to have the coolant and the, and the transmitter. I mean, the... the, the trans, uh, what is it? Transi- transmission. And 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 and, 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 and the tires and, the, and whatever it is, all all these things can make for a functioning vehicle. When one of these things are off, then the vehicle is not working properly. So, if this is with a car, and obviously a human being, and the human being to function properly, has it's more than just one point. There's various different aspects in a, in, a, in a person's life. So. This inspection that takes once a year, we take our car, we take our bodies, we take our beings into inspection, so we have to repair and maybe perhaps upgrade the various different things that need a repair, need a refresher, need an upgrade, and the like. So um, our relationship with God in general needs, needs an upgrade. So being that our relationship with Hashem is multi-leveled, first of all, our primary connection to God is through three channels. Our obligation to Hashem is primarily in three areas. The world stands on three things. Allah Torah, v'Allah Avodah, v'Al Gemilas Chasadim. Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavis. Allah Torah through Torah study. Allah Avodah is prayer, service. Gemilas Chasadim is mitzvah observance. Charitable acts, which is really the root of all other mitzvahs. These are the three channels through which each and every one of us connect. And everyone is obligated in all three. Every person has to study somewhat of Torah. It's different obligations, man and woman. It's different the obligation of uh, amongst right, different types of people. Have other people that study Torah all day, people that study, that have a, have a minimal, they study just a little bit Torah every day. But every single Jew needs to have somewhat of Torah study. Prayer is also an obligatory on every person. And then there is also mitzvah observance and special tzedakah, where all, every single person has to give tzedakah. These are our three main channels. So when it comes to the month of Elul, obviously we need to repair on all three levels. The repair in which we give tzedakah, we have to enhance our tzedakah. That's why it's, so that's derived for Ishler Eyeyu Matanus Levyonim, which is talking about charity, giving tzedakah, which means that one has to increase their tzedakah. Because a lot of times we maybe are giving tzedakah, but we're doing it very, 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 very dryly, without empathy, without caring, without, without, without putting ourselves into it. We give whatever minimum. Here I am. I'm giving my tzedakah. Just, just I be. You're saying Yiddish. I be yoytzetzayin just to, to fulfill my obligation, and that's right. Giving tzedakah means to be animated with tzedakah, to be living in it. To really, maybe there are people that have reached out to, to us and we haven't paid attention, right? Sometimes we get busy, and we're all guilty, get busy, 
And now we have to pay attention. So we have to help those who need help. People need help. So we have to turn, tune in, become more sensitive to anybody that needs our help, that was seeking our help, that we could help. So these are all the, this because, you know, to get out of our selfishness, which we get so caught up into our own selves and our own needs, and to hear the cries, the, the, the calling of other people that are looking, that need, that we can reach out to, that we can assist. Tzedakah is not just about giving money. Tzedakah is about being there for other people. So that's one thing. Then there is, I am to my beloved, my beloved is to me, getting closer to God. To get closer to, as I mentioned last year, to get closer to someone means to communicate. If you're in a relationship, if you're in a marriage, and you're not talking because you're too busy, whatever, busy with good things, busy making a living, busy, 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 but you don't have the few minutes to talk to your wife, or your wife is too busy with all her friends and she can't give you two minutes to talk to you. So obviously it's a relationship like that is not going to last. There's no, there's no energy, there's no love, there's no intimacy. There has to be communication. So the communication with God is the same thing. When was the last time you spoke to God? Really spoke to Him. So pr- prayer is a time when we talk to God. But it has to be real. So that's improvement. During the month of Elo, we improve in our prayer. And there are many ways of improving a prayer. Prayer improves, improving a prayer means... First of all, there are three times a day that we pray, the daven, and then putting our hearts and souls into the prayer. Maybe making the prayer in the best way by going to minion and the like. So these are things where the improvement has to be in davening. And then, is talking about going to a safe haven, going to a safe place. That's referring to Torah study. Because Torah is a protector. When we study Torah, we're protected. The Talmud tells us of stories where there were people who studied Torah, and while they studied Torah, the, the angel of death could not, could not approach them. David HaMelech was not able to, the Malach HaMavis, the angel of death, was not able to take his soul, because he was studying Torah. So Torah study is considered a city of refuge. So we can all increase our Torah study. So these are all things that we have to do in the month of Elul. Just a little bit. A little more tzedakah, a little more prayer, a little more Torah study. These are those three acronyms. Then it says, I will circumcise your heart. What does that mean? That's tshuva. That's repentance. Circumcising the heart means getting rid of the muck, the junk that's blocking, that's interfering, that's acting as a barrier between us and Hashem. So we have to clean out the heart so that we can feel close to Hashem again. That's tshuva. Tshuva is removing all the, all the, all the chazarai, all the stuff that got stuck through sins and things that we shouldn't have done and the like, or overindulgence and other things that are not important to our relationship with God, that needs to be cleaned out so that we can feel our hearts again and get close to Hashem. That's true. Finally, Ashir al-Hashem, Vayomru Lamar, Ashir al-Hashem, which is, as we said before, the fifth acronym of the month of Elul, is referring to redemption. Redemption, because when the Jews went out of Egypt, they sang to God, they were redeemed. And over here it means that in the month of Elul, we have to serve Hashem in a, redempt, in, in a manner of redemption. But here is really what we needs, needs most of the clarification. I understand that if we do the five, four above mentioned things, we will reach being redeemed. Redeemed is not something that we do. Redeemed is something that Hashem has to do. Hashem has to redeem us. So what does it mean that in the month of Elul, Ashir al-Hashem, Vayomru Lamar, Ashir al-Hashem is Elul. 
That wow, so that's not that's not part of our service. That's something that God does. Or if we do the four steps as we spoke about before, and we have a focused, mindful, and and uh, meaningful, and we put in the work in the month of Elul, come Sukkot, we're going to be able to sing and dance and have feel redeemed, at least on a personal level, we'll feel real, feel redeemed. But we're not saying that. We're saying that Elul itself is the month of redemption in which we can sing the song of redemption. What is the redemption of the month of Elul? It seems like this too is a means and a manner in which we need to serve Hashem. Really we can say that these five acronyms of the month of Elul correspond to the five levels of our neshama. We know that our neshama has five names. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chai, and Yechida. And these five psukim are modes of connecting to God, each one representing, relating to another one of our levels of our neshama. Exactly how that will work, possibly to say nefesh is the connection of the act of a mitzvah. Our nefesh connects to Hashem mainly through deed, through action. So that would be matanas ishlareyo matanas lavyonim, giving tzedakah. And then ruach, more the emotional element, is prayer. Prayer is when we connect heart to heart. To serve Him with your heart, that's through prayer. Neshama, referring more to the intellect of a person, it's through Torah study. When we connect our intellect to God's intellect, our brain to Hashem's brain, it's the connection of Neshama. Tshuva involves the encompassing energy of the Neshama called the Chai, which is the level of pure desire and pure will, in which we have a powerful desire to get close to God. That's what tshuva is. You're accessing your part of your neshama that's transcendental, that's higher than one's understanding. That's the power, the encompassing power of chai. And finally, the redemption is when we access our yechida. And we achieve total oneness with God. That's when we're in a state of being redeemed. But what does this mean in practical service? Primarily the question is on the service of Hashem, of Ashira Lashem, Vayom Rulemer Ashira Lashem, serving God in a manner of Giula, an Elul that is permeated with freedom, with the true Giula, with the true Mashiach energy. Particularly in our days, right now, when everybody can sense so clearly I mean, you have to be blind not to realize that we are actually right now in the midst of the process of redemption. And, you know, whether we're numb or whether we're keeping our minds, our heads in the mud, is not changing the reality that we are living right now in the midst of the miracles of the redemption. Things that are happening now in the world are really, 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 really unbelievable. Just today's eclipse that took place, Erev Rosh Chodesh Elul. I can't tell you, no one knows exactly what it is, but it's something massive. You know, the last time this happened, that only in the United States, what was unique about today's eclipse was in a total eclipse that went across the entire country. And that it was only seen in the United States. The last time that happened was in 1776, the year of the Declaration of the Independence. That's huge. For that to wait 200, I think, and 41 years or something like that, it happens again now. And when does it happen? In a time that the country is the most unstable it has ever been. There is such division, there is such 
I mean, it's unbelievable. It's going just the last two weeks what's happening in this country. And when the Jewish people are caught right in the middle of such extreme, everybody's trying to figure out who's a bigger anti-Semite. The guys on the right, the guys on the left, on the left, on the right. I mean, it's just like unbelievable what's going on. And you can sense the, the, the madness, the craziness. And truth is, you can look at each individual thing and say, eh, <laughs> when wasn't there a time of turmoil? Well, if you listen to the classes for the last year, and you see all the pieces of the puzzle, then you can't deny it. Each thing you can say, maybe it's just a, this is just a freak accident. But when all these things come together, it is so clear that we are living right now, and I, I don't even know exactly which, at the, definitely without a shadow of a doubt, at the threshold of the redemption. Something is going on. Something massive is going on right now. So, and, and it's Moshiach. So now the question is, if that's the case, understanding Elul from the Moshiach perspective is more important to us now than ever before. Now last year, I gave the first half an hour of the class of this class today, if you might ring a bell, was exactly almost what we spoke about last year, because we went through these five different psukim. And I asked the same question. And we discussed what does it mean, Geula Mashiach, Mashiach to Ge'elo. I gave a different answer then. The class was called um, Instinctive Judaism. It was a very, very special class. You can listen to last year's class. But tonight we're going to take a different approach in explaining the uniqueness of the Mashiach to Ge'elo. Elo from Vayom Ruleimoir Ashir To understand this, it's really all there in the main acronym of Elul. The main acronym of Elul is Ani Lidodi Vidodi Li. I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me. The I am to my beloved, and my beloved is to me of the month of Elul. This unique closeness and attachment and connection that we all experience that becomes available to us right now has three phases in it. We can experience the I am to my beloved and my beloved is to me on the most external level. We can experience the Anila Dodi Vidodi Li on a deeper level. And then we can experience the Anila Dodi Vidodi Li on the deepest level. And I'd like to go through the three phases. One phase is the practical. The Anila Dodi Vidodi Li means improvement. How do we get close to God? Improvement in our behavior based on a submissive a submission to Hashem because if it's not based on submission then it isn't Jewish means I am your servant I will serve you on a deeper level it means not only I'm your servant, I'm excited, I'm joyfully, I am ecstatic with, with joy and happiness to be your servant. That's deeper than that. And even deeper, Aniludodi, I am to you. My entire existence is yours. There's nothing about me and nothing in my world that is not you. I am to you. Not only am I subjugated to you, I am totally to you. That's Moshiach, that's Giyul. So let's go through these three steps. And I mean as follows. First thing is as follows. When we start our Elul process, 
when we begin our Elul service. See, Elul, since Elul is a, is, is a preparation for Rosh Hashanah, that's what it is. It's a, it's a time that we have a month to prepare us for Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur. Therefore, the Elul has to be, has to be um, compatible. It has to fit with what we have to accomplish on Rosh Hashanah. It's going to be a preparation. So as we said earlier, what do we accomplish on Rosh Hashanah? On Rosh Hashanah, we're crowning God as our king. So let's understand that a little better. What does that mean? We're crowning God as our king. So first of all, what is the idea of kingship? A king means he is the boss. Simple words. A king is the boss. He is the boss over the land. He controls, directs everything that's happening in the country. And everybody in the country is obligated to listen to him. That's the basic meaning of a king. He is the big boss. The ultimate boss. So, we're living in a world today which is a little hard for us to really relate to that because we're living in America. We're living in a world of freedom. We're living in a world where everybody does whatever they want. As long as you're not breaking a serious law, you're basically free to live your own life. We don't like the idea of subjugation. It goes against the, the very, <laughs> the very uh, soul of, of an American, especially in America. We're free. So it's a little hard for us to connect to the idea of malchus, the idea of kingship. But that doesn't change the facts. Facts are that God is a king. So let's understand what that means, that he is a king. So what is a king? A king is a person who has been selected by the people to be the boss and to be the ultimate boss. He's the one who decides exactly how the country should run and everybody must obey his laws, his decrees. Everybody must follow in his vision what he sees, what he wants, the, the, the course that he sets for the country. People have to follow and here's a very important thing. They don't have to agree with the king, but they have, to have, they have to obey the king's orders. The king doesn't have to explain himself to anybody. The king says, so it shall be, so it is. From, the, from, all the way up to the, from the top officials, all the way down to the simple citizen. People obey the law of the king, the rule of the king. The king is the law. Decides the law, decrees the law, and everybody is subjugated to him. Now, obviously, hopefully, if it's a king who's a mensch, if he's a king who is a good, someone who is really worthy to be the king, it's a great honor to be the king's subject. It's truly, really, truly an honor, and people are excited about that, but we'll get to that soon. But the first thing, whether you're excited, whether you're not excited, this is the reality, he is the king. And one must obey what the king says. And here too there is various different de degrees. There are the ordinary citizens whose lives are not, the king doesn't meddle that much in all the aspects of their lives. There's just general rules in which he governs the entire country. But primarily where the king really, really, really controls and has powerful authority over are the military, is the army. The army is completely in the king's control. They're there to serve their, their king. They're there to go in fire and in water for their king, even to the last, even to die for their king. 
And the way it works in a military is, military is based very, very strongly on obedience. No one in a military, there's no questions why. No one even has the thought to ask why. Why are we going there? Why shouldn't we go that way? It doesn't work that way. You do what you're told to do. And that works through the entire military. Even though the foot soldiers are simply obedient. They're not asked at all to figure out anything but to listen to the command of their, of their uh, of superior. Yeah. However, as you're going up the line, up the line, a chain of command, you have people that are involved in figuring out strategy of exactly how, what, where, and when. So these are people who are not just following commands, but these are people that are thinking and they have great, um, great minds and have to plan great plans and bring about all kinds of strategic moves and so on and the like. But they too have to answer to the higher-ups. And when they're given a directive to move in a certain area or do so and so, they have to listen. There's no argument. And so it works all the way, all the way, all the way up, the lieutenant, all the way, all the way up to the general. And in the general itself, there are levels. And then you have the five-star general, the leader of the entire army. So he really, really, really controls everything. But he too is completely submissive to the king. Because when the king goes completely against the, 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 the advice of his general and says, but I say that you should do so and so, the general has to put aside all of his ideas, advice, and so on and so forth, and just blindly be obedient to the king. Because without obedience, there is no kingship. The root of being a king is the obedience of his subjects to him. Again, coming to its strongest emphasis in the military and in the army. And the general is also a military man. And the military, its foundation is obedience. When God gave us the Torah, first of all, God created the entire world with the desire of being a king. Simply meaning that God is the boss. And he decides and, dec- and gives a decree of how he wants things to be run. It needs to be run that way just because he is the boss. Why is he the boss? Well, God, he's got an, a, a, an advantage over all other kings. He actually is the boss because he created everything and controls everything. So he literally is the boss. And what does he want? He wants obedience. Why? Because this is his world. Fine. And for whatever reason, this gives him pleasure. That the world will be obedient to his command. Okay, but there is a certain measure of expectation that he has from all over the world. But then he has his army. His army are the Jewish people. The Jewish people, when we took us out of Mitzrayim, Hashem referred to us as Tzivos Hashem. The army of God. Tzivos Hashem means with the Ebersh Hashem's army. Through the military, once the king has an army... As a result of the army, the king will exercise his control over the entire country. If the king doesn't have the army with him, he doesn't have a country. His power and his force comes through his army. There's no such a thing as a king ruling without an army. There has to be an army. And again, his strength over all of the country is through his army. The same is also, God without the Jewish people has no kingdom. Because the Jewish people are the army of Hashem. Because they're the ones who are devoted and dedicated to his, to him and to his will and to his desire and to whatever to implement the king's Hashem's Hashem's uh, desire and wants in the world. That's our business. Through us, Hashem is a king over the entire world. 
During the time of exile, it's not that obvious. When Mashiach will come, it will reach its ultimate, ultimate realization of Hashem being a king over the entire world. So, but the foundation of it, of the army, of everyone, but primarily the army, obedience. When we came to Har Sinai and God, it was at Sinai, at Har Sinai, when Hashem chose us as His people, and we became His people. So what happened at Har Sinai? What was the foundation of our, all of our Yiddishkeit, all of our observance, the foundation of it? One thing, Nase Venishma. We will do and we will hear. What does that mean? We will do first and then we will hear. It's those two words that are the most fundamental, most important words of all of Judaism. Is I do and then I will hear. I don't have to understand. If I appreciate it and I understand why I need to put on tefillin, why I need to light Shabbos candles, why I need to keep Shabbos, why I can't eat lobster and I could eat um, salmon, why, even though I might argue and think it's, that maybe this is more, this is not as, that maybe it's healthier the other way around, doesn't make a difference. Why? The whole question is irrelevant. The relationship is the relationship of a king and subject. That's the foundation. Above, above and beyond that, you can learn, you can understand. It doesn't say Nase, and we will remain robots. No, the Nishma, afterwards we will learn and afterwards we will try to understand. But the foundation of it is Nase. I have to listen. Therefore, we can understand that any type of Judaism, any type of Judaism that, that, that goes away from this point and thinks that we can meddle with God's law and decide that how it's correct and how mitzvahs should be done differently than God spelled it out in the Torah. It's flawed at its very core. It's not, it's not Judaism. It doesn't, because the basis of a Jew is you listen. Because God is the boss and He's the king. If you understand, it's good. People that say, well, it doesn't make any sense in a modern world or so and so forth. That's all. It, 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 it's silly. Because the foundation of being a Jew is not being a good person. That's the mistake. The foundation of being a Jew is not being a good person. The foundation of being a Jew, good Jew means to be a subject of God. To accept Hashem. And we know in, in, in our Judaism every day, the bottom, the very, very beginning of the day is we say the Shema. And when we say the Shema, we are accepting God as our King. And we're His subjects. It's called Kabbalah's oil malcho shamayim, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. That is the foundation of being a Jew. That is the foundation of, of, of Judaism. Because only in that way is God a king. Now, let's get to the details. What's the details? 613 details. 613 details. Let's just understand something. 613 details are details in how I express my submission to God. Because these are the things that God asked me. What happens if someone who is not in the army or someone who is not even a subject, he's a foreigner comes into a country, comes into an army, and decides that he likes some of the things, and goes ahead and joins in certain festivals, joins in certain festivities, joins in certain um, what we call rituals that the army does. Can he be called in any way part of the king's empire? No, he's a stranger. He happens to like a certain things, and therefore he does them. If you're doing things in your Yiddishkeit just because you like them, but not because Torah dictates, because God is my boss, that's not Judaism. Judaism is based on 
God is a king and we're his subjects. That's the foundation. So when Rosh Hashanah comes, and we're looking ahead and we're going to have to stand in front of God and again crown him as, as our king, resubmit ourselves to be his loyal subjects, and we have a month to prepare, what should we be doing during this month? We have to deepen our sense of servitude. Because we all have a foolish evil inclination, a foolish ego, that tries to convince us that God is not necessarily the boss. And I, in my life, I can do whatever I want, because it's a free world and a free society. And, therefore I, and we have free choice. So therefore I can do whatever I want. And therefore I'll pick and choose and see whatever I like in Judaism because it makes me feel good as a person because not only do I have so and so and so, I also have a little bit of religion that I enjoy. makes me feel good. That's not being a subject. This is being honest. That's not being a subject. So being a subject means I have to listen to what the rules are. What the Torah says To see if my life is consistent with the Shulchan Aruch It's spelled out in the Torah And we all know, we're, none of us are perfect so We all know we have a lot to, 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 to fix We have to do repair So that's what we do during the month of Elul We see whatever needs to be repaired Whatever needs to be fixed And we see which areas of my life am I not so obedient And if I'm not so obedient I have to make myself more obedient But, but again the main, the main service on this level is just to accept this, accept it. Accept that what? That God chose you to be, to be one of his subjects, especially to be in the army. So over here the obedience is so much more important. And accept it, that's the truth, that's the reality. Fine. But that's not enough. That's, that's Elul, that, that's, that, that's a start. That's, that's the beginning point. But we must move it to the next stage. The next stage is to realize that God doesn't want to have a dictatorship. He doesn't want to be a king. He doesn't want to be the boss by force. He doesn't want to be a country. He doesn't want to be an empire like North Korea. That if you don't, if you don't, if you're not submissive to uh, whatever the lunatic leader, you end up in a gulag. You end up in some concentration camp, God forbid, and die slowly, a torturous death. God does not want such a type of a kingdom where we fear Him and we're petrified that He's going to hurt us, God forbid, and that's why we want to do the mitzvahs, that's why we want to listen to Him. Or that we feel like, oh my, why in the world was I born a Jew? I could have been so much better if I would have at least been born a Gentile. I would have only had to keep seven mitzvot. Now I have 613. Who needed this? I don't like this. I hate this. God forbid. That's not kingship. Kingship is a deep relationship between king and subject. Where the king and the subjects really, really love each other. The subjects have enormous, enormous admiration for their king. They see in their king everything. They see in their king the most amazing, greatest, highest being possible. They don't want to live their lives for themselves. They want to live for their king. They realize that this is the greatest privilege and honor that they can serve their king. Because they realize that his life and his vision and who he, and his, what he's all about is so much greater than theirs. They also realize that by them subjugating themselves to him, they will live the highest lives that they can live. 
So they're excited. They're so excited. So the coronation of a king, when the king was not a dictator, but a true, truly special king, the coronation of such a king was done with the greatest joy. And the main, by the way, the main ones who do the coronation, even though a lot of spectators come and the people come and everybody has banners and so on and so forth, but the main players in, the, in, in a coronation of the king is the army. The army is all lined up, literally million soldiers. They're all with, with marching bands and so on and so forth. And they call out to their king that the, long live the king. They subjugate themselves. They bow down to the king. And now they're devoted to him to their very last breath. But they do it joyfully. Joyfully. That's true kingship. Where there is a deep connection between the king and the subjects. Ani Dodi v'dodi li that represents the introduction to the month of Elul. Sorry, to Rosh Hashanah. The, in, the introductory month to the month to Rosh Hashanah refers to God not as a powerful, scary ruler. What are the words we're saying? We're not even saying, Ani l'hamoshel shali. Moshel means a governor, a ruler. We're not even saying, Ani l'malki. I am to my king. We're saying, Ani l'dodi, I am to my beloved. Because as a Jew, we have an ishama, we have a soul, and our soul loves God. And our soul wants to be in a relationship with God. And our soul sees it as the ultimate privilege and the ultimate honor to be able to be a soldier for God in this world. To be able to execute and reveal God's kingship and His power in the world through the mitzvahs. So our our, our, our neshamas feel this to be the greatest privilege and honor and therefore they're excited with powerful love and excitement for the coronation. That excitement, that fervor, that love, that yearning, that I want to be close to my Creator, that's tshuva. What we spoke about earlier, submission, simple obedience and simple submission, ani ladodi, I am to you God, I will obey you. That's all that it means. Dry obedience. What, are the th- what, are, what is dry obedience? We spoke earlier. Increased Torah, Increased mitzvah observance, increased prayer. But I am doing what I need to do because I have no choice. He's the boss. He commanded us. These are the three pillars. These are the three things you need to do. I'm going to do them. I have no choice. He, after all, he's God. What am I going to go fight God? I can't do it. But again, the three, the three acronyms that we spoke about before, Torah, Avodah, Gemilas, Chasadim, in the most driest sense of, the, uh, of it is, simp- but again, it has to be based on the yoke of heaven, but the yoke of heaven could be without any soul. It can be without any love, without any passion, without any internal connection. Tshuva means, God is going to circumcise your heart means that you're going to come into, you're going to get in touch with your deeper self, with a part of you that doesn't see its itself as as you know the, 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 that that my life is my life and I'm here just to have a good time. But I have a deeper self, a part of me that recognizes that there's nothing greater than to be able to serve. 
the infinite being that created all of existence and is deriving pleasure from my service. And I can be of a service to him. Give him a delight and give him pleasure. That's awesome. And the neshama that wants to so much to be connected, to be attached, especially after a period of time that we've ignored our, our relationship with Hashem. Especially if we've become kind of separated, disconnected, uninvolved. So the neshama is in pain, the neshama is hurting. So when it comes to Chodesh Elo, we dig deep, we remove the muck on the heart, we, re, we rediscover our inner self, our yid, the yid inside of us, the Jewish neshama, the fire in our soul that wants to go back home, that wants to be in a connection, that wants to be in a relationship, that's crying out, God, I want to get connected to you. God, I want to be close to you. That's tshuva. Oh, ani ledoidi, I am to my beloved. It's not only I am to you, I belong to you, I must listen to you. I am to my beloved, I sense the love. And my beloved is to me. I sense how much the king loves me. And how much he appreciates and wants the relationship. Here's a very interesting statement. The Bach. The Bach, one of the great halachic authorities, says on the words, Anilidodi, he clearly, you can see in his wording, that he reads the Anilidodi to be exactly like this. He says, Leos Liboy. So one's heart will be karov el doidoi, close to his beloved, b'tshuva with tshuva. Va'oz then, doidoi karov, his beloved is close, lekabel tshuva, to receive his tshuva, me'ava with love. So the Bach is telling us that what? That ani l'doidi v'doidi li represents a deep loving embrace between subject and king. One that's done with fervor and excitement. So this is a whole different level. Here is you going much deeper than just simple dry obedience. Meaning one can have a very, very superficial, external, frustrating Elul. On one level, God forbid, we can ignore Elul. That means we're not coming into the relationship at all. We're not turning. It's not anilidoidi. I'm not turning to God. So that's already a klipa. That's unholiness. That's unholiness. That's klipa. Next is to, to enter into kedusha. Once a person accepts upon themselves to be obedient and to listen to what God says, I will follow what you command me to do. Oh, it's already holiness. But it's very superficial holiness. Because you're not in it internally. You're just doing it because you have no choice. Deeper than that is to do it, to do that very... To commit, to connect, but to commit and to connect with joy and with happiness because you sense, Hashem is my beloved. But now we're finally going to take it to the highest stage. After all of this, there is still a strong separate, separate there is still a, the distance, there is still a, the notion that I have my life, I am me, God is God, and um, I want to serve Him, I'm His subject. I, I feel it's great being God's subject. I'm so excited about it. I feel privileged that I'm a Jew and I can do mitzvahs. I'm loving it. 
I love any, every moment of it. I'm trying to increase the relationship. But there is still me and there is still God and we're still two separate entities. But then there is a much deeper level. And this is very, very important. Here is where Mashiach comes in. And that is as follows. When a king and his subjects, the king and the subjects, the subjects have lives that they live that's outside of the king's, not outside the king's jurisdiction, because the king really has full control over the people, but the king is not involved in every little detail of every person's life. You don't have to ask permission to, of the king when you want to marry someone, if you can marry that person. You don't have to ask the king if I can have, you know, if I can eat this for lunch today. I mean, there's general rules, you know, certain things that are forbidden, certain laws, certain restrictions maybe regarding who can, you know, laws of marriage, age for instance. Even in America, the laws, when, when, when someone is underage, can't marry someone so young. So there are laws, general laws, but there's not going to be any details because the king is not mixing into the little, every little nuance of a person's private life. There are certain general ideals and so on and so forth that the king sets forth and so forth. That's on the king's end. On the people's end, it's also that way. They don't live every moment for their king. People live their lives. They live for their families, for their children. They want to have good lives. Somewhere in their heads, they understand that, ah, I'm, I'm part of this king's empire. I want to live. We're, we're, part, of, we're part of this. Of, we belong to this king. We belong. We're, we're members of the country. I'm a proud American. I'm a proud. When you had a king, you were a proud subject of that king. But it doesn't mean that in, every, that, it, that in every aspect of your life, the king is alive in your heart and in your soul, is in the front of your, of your mind. It's, 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 an, it's there. You feel proud when it comes a national holiday, when it comes an important day, when the king comes to town, you're going to be the first one, you're going to go outside with a flag, you're going to stand out there with a banner, you're a real patriot. Fine, but that's on July 4th. It's on that particular day, you're standing proudly for your king. But the rest of the year, you have your business, you have your life, you have your world, and your world is very, very separated from the king. That is by a human king. The reason why it is by a human king is because the human king didn't create his subjects. The subjects existed before the king became their king. The subjects have a life on their own. The king did not create every cell in their body. They're entities, they have a life. The king is someone who's going to direct the country, he's going to enhance their lives greatly. They, sub, they subjugate themselves to the king and accept him as their king, and as a result of that, as we said, spoke earlier, they're obligated to obey his commandments. But he is still an addition to their lives. By God, it's a different story. We only exist out of a dream that he had that he wants to be a king. That dream is what is dreaming us into existence. That dream is what's bringing each and every one of us into beingness. We only exist because he wants us to be a, to wants, he wants to be a king and through us he is a king. Through us and through every aspect of our life he is a king. So there's nothing in the world that's extra. There isn't an extra star that's just out there other than through that star God is a king. There isn't a blade of grass that exists for any other reason but through that blade of grass God is 
king and there isn't a human being that exists in this world for any other reason but because through that person God is a king. Definitely there isn't an aspect in a Jew's life that exists other than through that God will be a king. That involves every breath that we have. Every, all of our possessions, all of our talents, all of our, our body and our soul and every single penny we own and every object that we have. It's all created of absolute nothingness. How is it created? And as Hasidus teaches us all the time, the Balshemtov's famous teaching, God didn't only create at once, He's continuously wishing us into existence, dreaming us into existence, thinking us into existence, speaking us into existence, out of the desire that through us He will be our King. Ah, so what is ultimate kingship? Ultimate kingship is that there is no, there's nothing in my life outside of me being your subject, God. My entire identity, my entire being is that I am your servant. Outside of that, I don't exist. Me and all that I am, my belongings, my life, my body, my soul, my very identity is to be your subject. Where do we see this? An amazing thing. In Rosh Hashanah, Share with you something really, really powerful. On Rosh Hashanah, we say ten, in the, and when we crown God as a king, we, we say in Davani, we say ten verses of kingship. We go through three psukim come from Chumash, three psukim come from the Navi, from the prophets, three psukim come from the writings, from the Ksuvim. Then we come back to the tenth and last pasuk. Every single pasuk, we, we, we say something that implies that God is king, says openly that God is a king. Shemelech, Hashemelech, Hashemimloch. All kinds of psukim that God is king. And then we come to the last pasuk, and what do we say? Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod. That's the last pasuk of kingship. Here, O Israel, God is our God, God is one. And the Gemara asks the question, well, there's no mention in that verse that God is a king. There's no mention in that pasuk that God is a king. So the Gemara answers, ah, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lakeinu, Hashem Echad, is Malchus. Even though it, it doesn't say explicitly kingship, it's, it's still Malchus. The idea of it is that God is a king. The words of the Rambam, Rambam quotes this idea, doesn't quote it. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lakeinu, Hashem Echad, is in the laws of Shofar, Perigimel. Rambam says, Afapi, oh, it's Malchus Hu Inyanoi. It's Inyan, its content is kingship. Afapi She'en Boi Zecher Malchus, even though there is no remembrance of kingship there at all. There's no mention there at all of God being a king, yet its content is kingship. So I'm asking you a very silly question. If coronating God as a king is the most important part of being Jewish, this is like the root, Rosh Hashanah, it's like the root. And we do that through all Jews gathering together across the world in all shuls, and we say God, and we say ten verses for whatever reason, we have to do it in multiples of ten. And we pronounce God as a king. Then we get stuck, because we only find nine verses. So the Gemara is scrambling, and the Gemara doesn't know what do we do. The Gemara finds, ah, let's add another one. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekein Hashem Echad. It doesn't say openly that God is a king, but it kind of gives off the idea. God didn't know this when he wrote the Torah. He couldn't, he couldn't throw in one more verse in which there can be openly an expression of God being a king. He has to give you a pasuk, and what we call like bidiyeved. Bidiyeved means it, it, it implies that Hashem is a king. Come on, this is like so important. 
Hashem gave us so much Navi, so many, I don't know how many Pesukim there are in all of Navi. Give us one more Pesuk somewhere that would say that he is a king. Why do you use the Pesuk Shema Yisrael Hashem Lakeinu Hashem Echad that's not kingship? The answer is, no, 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 this is ultimate kingship. All the other verses don't express the ultimate of kingship. All the other verses says there is a king and there are the people. And there's the king and the people. And the people are an entity there and a being that's other than the king. They serve the king. Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Echod means that God is the only reality. Aleph Ches Talid. Hashem is the, is, the, is the reality of the Ches. Ches are the seven heavens and the earth. That's number eight. Dalit are the four directions and everything that's between them. Every creature, every being, every aspect, every cell in the universe is nothing other than an expression of God's kingship. Echod. That's the real meaning of Echod. Hashem is and there's none but Him. That's what Echod is. Powerful. That's the ultimate expression of Hashem's malchus. That He is. That everything exists only and exclusively to express His kingdom. His kingship. So when we get to the end of the Ten Pesukim, we really say it as it is. The Pasuk, the Gemara, the, the, the sages on purpose didn't use any other verse. That's what Rambam says. Rambam says, even though there's no zecher of Malchus, in all the other verses, there's a zecher. It's a mention of kingship. Over here, these words of Rambam, Malchus hu inyonai. The whole content of the, of the whole verse is nothing other than Malchus. What does that mean? Malchus is not only mentioned over here, Malchus is its essence. Wow, so what happens over here? This is a whole different reality. To come to such a level where one realizes... It's not that I'm surrendering. I have my life. Oi! 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 Nebuch. I have to now surrender myself to do what God wants. It's difficult. It's hard. I'm saying nebuch, but I'm not making fun of Shalom because I, I say oi, oi, oi. It's hard. You're coming to the month of El, you got to repair, and you know there are certain things you don't want to. There's a part of us. See, we all, we all struggle. There is a piece, there's a part of our animal soul that doesn't like it. Okay, it's an animal soul. It's not part of the program. It doesn't want to go along with it. It doesn't like subservience. It gets uncomfortable. doesn't like to listen to this class. This class is an annoying class to the animal soul. This class tonight, I mean, particularly tonight. Because we're talking about doing what the Shulchan Aruch says, because Torah says so. I don't want to. I don't like it. Okay, so we got to work on it. That's one level. We spoke deeper. Not only are we doing it, but we're joyfully accepting it. We want to do it, but still, I'm accepting. I'm me, and, and Hashem is Hashem, and I'm accepting to serve Him. But then there's a much deeper realization, and this is the Mashiach realization, is when we ra- suddenly recognize reality. What's truth? Truth is, there's nothing other than God. I have no other existence but to serve you, God. And my, my, everything about me is only to serve you. But to make this, to give this really, really the spice it deserves... So let's take it just to one more point relating to this. The way we celebrate Rosh Hashanah, m- mostly on Rosh Hashanah when we're in shul and we're davening, we daven, for f- we daven for material, physical things. On the one hand, our machzor is filled with declaration that God is king. On the other hand, on Rosh Hashanah, we're davening for good health, livelihood, shidduchim, anything else. We need. We, we pray literally for all the things that we need. And it's part of the machzer. It's part of what we should be doing Rosh Hashanah. In Hagos Maimonis, which is one of the commentators on Rambam, it says that the main judgment of Rosh Hashanah is not on spiritual things. 
On Rosh Hashanah, Hashem is primarily judging you for your physical life. Chaye haguf. Physical life. And over here we come to a very, very big problem. On a day that we have to coronate God as a king. On a day that we need to stand in front of God and say, You are king and I'm going to live for you. Shouldn't we forget about our physical bodies a little bit? And shouldn't we devote ourselves and say, I don't care about me. It's all about you, God. You're my king. And all I want is to know I'm trying so hard to devote myself, to, to serve you, to do what you want. Oh, no, but you know what? I'm hungry. I, I need this. I need that. I need a new car. My car is making me problems. Every time I'm turning it on, it's making the light. The engine light is on. It's cracking. I keep on taking it into the mechanic. This is what you're thinking about in Rosh Hashanah. You have a problem, I can't pay my bills, I have debt, I need to get out of it, God please help me. Hashem, I have a pain, I go to the doctor, he's telling me whatever. All these things that we're davening for Rosh Hashanah, they're so selfish. How in the world do we stand Rosh Hashanah, devote ourselves completely to serving Hashem, and at the same time, on Rosh Hashanah, very Rosh Hashanah, we do these things, we daven for our physical things. So the truth is like this. I would say that there are two, there are two types of, of Rosh Hashanah Yidin. Two types of Jews coming to shul. There are Jews who come to shul on Rosh Hashanah and they're coming from, they literally are the types, these Yidin are coming to shul and the whole purpose of Rosh Hashanah davening is only what? Give me, give me, give me. I need. And they know, listen, that itself is a great thing that people realize that all their, all their blessings come from God. But why are you coming to shul? You're coming to shul to daven for good life. The Zohar is very critical of people like that. The Zohar says very immature people. Literally babies, little children. The Zohar says worse. The Zohar says compared to dogs that bark and say, give, give, give. Heart. That's what Rosh Hashanah is all about. Rosh Hashanah is a day you crown God as a king. There was a famous chassid. His name was Reb Shmuel Munkis. It's a beautiful story. Reb Shmuel Munkis, you know, was the first night of Slichas. He was a great chassid of the Balatanya. So Reb Shmuel Munkis one time traveled and he came to an inn. It was Slichas night, the first night of Slichas. And he, he came there, you know, and, he, and he, they saw this rabbi came in with a long beard and he looked, he wore like, he looked like a very spiritual person and they were very happy to host him and they, and they gave him a room and they felt so special. But by one o'clock at night, they were waking up to go say slichas. It was the first night of slichas, Matzah Shabbos. So they came and they knocked in his room to wake up the guests and they hear him snoring. So they knock louder and, I, and he's ignoring them. So the guys think these are simple people, no monkey business with this guy. He's a rabbi, he's not going to come to slichas. So they go and they, they open up the door and they go in and they wake him up. And he says, what do you want? And they say, Tzlichus. He says, Tzlichus. He he's looking at them like, they're like what Tzlichus? They say, you don't know what Tzlichus is? He says, no. He says, how can it be? A love like you with a long beard like that, a rabbi, you don't know what? He says, no, what Tzlichus? Why are you waking me up now? So they say, you know, Tzlichus, before Rosh Hashanah, we get up and we pray. He says, what do you pray for? He says, we pray that the rain should come, and there should be good crops, the chicken should lay the eggs, and then the cows should give good milk. So he said, so Reb Shmuel looks at them and he says, what's with you? Mam shashan de nacharpa, he says, a, 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 a shame, a utter disgust. Older people wake up in the middle of the night to ask for milk? Babies do that. That was, his sto- that was the story of Shmuel Monkis. That's really talking about coming Rosh Hashanah to shul and davening just for material things. But that's one kind of Jew. Then there are other Jews who come to Shul Rosh Hashanah and they're focused on one thing, crowning God as a king. They're going to do tshuva, they're going to be Jews, they're going to do what, what one needs to do, and that is to crown God as a king. And they focus completely on that. 
But then on the other hand, what's with you supposed to daven? So then they daven for all the things they need to daven for, but they have a hard, a hard time davening for these things. Because how, if I'm thinking about serving you, see, here's the thing, the body is selfish. The body is completely self-oriented. The body just wants to have a good time. So if I am now standing in front of God and I'm going to serve you, God, I need to get in touch with my soul and I need to shut my body down. Literally, I need to silence my body. Be quiet for the day, for a few hours. Just be quiet. You know what? The rest of the year, you make a lot of noise. Rosh Hashanah, the chauffeur is blowing now. I want you silent. Check it. Quiet. Leave me alone. But Rosh Hashanah, but it's not that way. According to Allah, we're supposed to do both. We're supposed to crown God as a king, call out, you are Amelech, you are the king, and at the same time, we have to daven for all of our material needs. How in the world do you do that? And the answer is, the only way to do that, in the real, real way, is only if you're a Mashiach Tegiyid. Meaning to say, if you've just heard, if we heard the secret of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod, when we realize Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod, God is the only reality. And if anything else exists, it's only because God is willing it into existence so that God can be a king over it. And that includes what? My soul and my body. And how does my body serve Hashem? By my body will serve Hashem with doing physical acts of mitzvahs. But in order for my body to serve Hashem and be able to do the physical acts of mitzvahs, I need to be healthy. I need to have the, the, the financial means to be able to do the mitzvahs. If my body is stressed out, because I cannot pay the bills, because the bills are piling up, because I couldn't pay the rent, because uh, whatever, the gas is threatening to shut down the gas, because the, the cell phone, the T-Mobile sent me a message that if I don't pay, they're going to charge me $20 per line. If I don't pay the thing, once they shut me down, and I give out, I don't have the money to pay it. Or this is happening, or that is happening. Then my body cannot serve God. I can't do the mitzvahs. I can't. And even if my neshama knows that I'm supposed to serve and have bitachin, my body gets stressed out. I feel the stress in my body. I can't do, I have anxiety. I can't daven, I can't learn. I don't have a peaceful soul. So in order for me to serve God, I need to have a body that's healthy, that has everything that it needs, so that it doesn't have any worry and any concern, it can do what you want. Here's the trick. When you are comfortable standing in front of God and you don't have to swallow hard even for one second, and you can say to God, give me money, give me health, and I don't feel any shame asking it for you because I know that I exist only for you. When a general is stuck out in the field and he radios in to the king's, to whoever is in charge over there, that he needs immediate fuel for the tanks. Because they're running out of fuel. He's not uncomfortable saying that he needs, because he's got a whole battalion of tanks. He's not uncomfortable saying that he needs fuel. Because the reason he's out there in the field with the tanks is only for the king's purpose, for no other purpose. So of course he can say, I need money. He can, he can call up and say, all my soldiers are hungry. They cannot perform. They can't do battle if they're hungry and they're weak. They need breakfast. They need sandwiches. Send us over right now uh, whatever provisions to be able to take care. We have to be able to stand Rosh Hashanah and say loud and clear to God, you need to give me health. You need to give me wealth. You need to give me everything because I cannot do my work without your help. And bottom line, if Jews are hungry or Jews are, are sick, they're physically unhealthy or financially we don't have where people are poor, problem, who's bankrupt? God is out of business. That's the bottom line. The Abishter's business of being a king in this world happens through Jewish bodies, not through Jewish souls. 
and Jewish bodies that Baruch Hashem have whatever they need to be able to do their work. As soon as there's no more friction, the problem is we're not comfortable in saying that. You know why we're not comfortable with saying it? Because we're, if we're a general out in the field and we're using the money, embezzling the money, and using it for other purposes, not to do what the king wants, then we feel uncomfortable because then there's a friction. You see, there's a friction. So here is where we need to get comfortable with. When I can come to an understanding that my body and my soul, my entire existence is only here to serve God. And therefore all the bracha that Hashem gives me, I use it to serve Him. And that includes whatever I need to serve Him. If I need to do, 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 do some exercise to serve Him, exercise. If I need to run and do, I need this, I need that, I need coffee in the morning, I need chocolate, that's fine. Whatever it is that I need, but these are things that I need to be able to function like a normal human being and to serve Him. I need to have peace of my mind, I need to have... So then these are the things I need. And I can ask for them without any hesitation. That is true kingship. Then Hashem has permeated your being and there's no difference between spirit and matter. My entire existence from head to toe, from soul to body, from the deepest point of my neshama to the very, very end of my fingernails or toenails. Every aspect of my being is here only for you to serve you and only to, to, to exercise your kingship. That's Ashir al-Hashem. Why? That's called redemption. Why is that redemption? It's not just I love, I love serving you, Hashem. I recognize the absolute truth. There's none but you. And I was just redeemed from what? From the gullus. What's the gullus? The gullus, the exile, is when we're living in, 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 in narrow consciousness. When we think that we exist outside of Hashem. Then we have to like shut the body down. At the best, I have to get out of my body to serve you. I have to forget about my body. But that's coming from narrow consciousness. From real broad and open consciousness, I know. Ani Lidodi. What does Ani Lidodi mean according to the third interpretation? Ani, my entire Ani. Everything that is included in Ani, Lidodi is yours, God. Lidodi Li. We begin that Avod and Chodesh El. How do we do this practically? And these things are not meant only for tzaddikim. Today's days, this has been opened since Mashiach is coming. Each and every one of us has to enter into this space. How do we do this? We didn't even have to go through the earlier steps. We can jump immediately to the third step. Even before you have, before you schlepsach and subjugate yourself to God by force, before you even discover your love that you want to be, a, you want to serve God because you're filled with love and want to serve Him, skip all the levels. Just go to number three immediately. What's number three? Wake up in the morning, look at your hands for one moment. Or look in the mirror and look at yourself and say for, think, first close your eyes for a minute, see that there is absolute nothingness. And then hear Hashem creating the world, creating you, and saying, I want you, I need you. I need you to reveal my kingship in the world through those physical hands, through the money I will give you, through the car that you own, through the food that I give you, through the home that you have, through every aspect that I give you, every single thing. These are things that I need, God says. I need from you to be able to reveal me through that. And if you think about that for about even just 30 seconds every morning in Chodesh El, and therefore I say, you know what, Hashem, I'm going to serve you with all that I have today, but I'm also preparing myself. On Rosh Hashanah, I will stand there and crown you. And I know that you that you're my everything. I live only for you. Then, we're living in Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echot, consciousness. Then our bodies are just as important as our soul. 
Our physical life is just as important as our spiritual life. And we are totally and absolutely unified with God, with absolute unity. And we're living in truth. And why now? Because when Mashiach comes, this is the truth we're all, we're all going to live in. So we might as well start living in it right now because we're now in the threshold of Mashiach. May we merit to be totally comfortable in Rosh Hashanah. To ask Hashem for all of our physical things. Because we've worked it out in Elul and we've become so permeated with this reality that Enot Movado, there's none but Him. And He is everything. He's our soul and He's our body. He's all of existence. We belong to Him 1,000%. And as a Hashem, only through us and through our physical bodies with, in a state of absolute well-being will Hashem have His ultimate dream of having a home in this world. May we merit to see it now.